You can be chairman. It's okay. Chairperson. Come on. Why person? You're a man. PC. Politically correct. But you're, you are the person. I am a man, yes. But if it were suddenly changed to Liz. Okay. She'd then... be chairwoman. Okay. Joe, in order to stay PC, don't question Derek's fact that he questions himself a man. Yes. Allow him to, allow him to have that. Okay. <laughs> There's going to be disclaimers after a year. <laughs> Yar, ahoy there. This be Steely No Heart, Captain of the Black Barge. And this be the fifth episode of the Off the Wall podcast. The podcast your line. Eh? You know? Cast your line. Yeah, that's a sneaker. Hello, everybody. Welcome out to the Off the Wall podcast. Today we are joined by Josh Nufrio. Hello. And Derek Myler. DKMY here. What's up? So, uh, let's get started. What did you think about the show last night, Josh? I really enjoyed the show. I had a really good time with it. Honestly, I was a little bit nervous about hosting. Coming into this show, I felt like the last time I hosted, I was a little bit off. And for whatever reasons. And then, so I'm always a little bit nervous when I'm hosting a show. More so than when I play. And then, uh, but I really felt like everything came together and clicked. And I thought it was a really fun show. I'm more nervous when I host too, because it feels like, you're you. There's no character to hide behind. Yeah. There's no anything. You've got some responsibility of uh, keeping the show on track. You got to mm. take care of some stuff. Besides the fact that let's let's face it, you get blamed, not only by uh, players but also by the fans. You know, yeah. oh, that was a bad suggestion. When yeah, a show yeah. goes well, no one mentions the host. Yeah. Yeah. When a show goes be. badly, it's the host's fault. Host. Yeah. A good a good host is invisible. If you're noticeable as the host, you're probably not doing everything to the best of your ability. Why do you think you had a bad show last time? Uh, well, it wasn't necessarily bad. I just felt a little disconnected. No, from... it was terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I remember that one. I'm just kidding. I, I think it was the player's fault. <laughs> um, they... <laughs> no, I, Touché. I felt, I felt a little disconnected from the audience and it was, it was a bigger show. Was it low and, energy? Uh, the the, no, no, no. I'm not blaming the audience. The, the audience was fine, but what happens when you're hosting, with a, a big crowd compared to a smaller crowd, is the bigger the crowd, the less suggestions you can actually hear. The more suggestions you get, but the less you can actually hear. Yeah. Sonic mud. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It becomes very inaudible. Yeah. When uh, I feel disconnected with the crowd, I try holding one of their hands. And yeah. that gets me back in touch. little eye contact, little holding. I try Oops. taking my hair ponytail <laughs> and attaching it to one of them. <laughs> it really gets you in the It's called Sahelu. Oh, on, really? On an unrelated note, Joe and Derek will never host a show. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I just felt like I the my timing was just a little bit off. I felt the show was a decent show still. I just didn't feel I don't know. After some shows, I feel like perfect, nailed it, got mm-hmm. it. That was awesome. I couldn't have done anything different and still had that much fun. And after that show, I was like, you know, I probably could have cut a couple games a little bit shorter. I probably could have come up with a more creative suggestion. You know, I was a little critical of myself. But after last night's show. I still think there's probably, I mean, there's always room to improve and get better, but. You were satisfied? I was satisfied with last night's show, yeah. I, I've, I had a really good time. I felt like it was a very positive energy, high clicking show. It was good. You know, cutting games, that's an art. That's an art in and of itself, being able to cut a game well. I agree. I agree. There was a, last week there was the, uh, bad advice and, not bad advice. There's pieces of paper where everyone wanted that one suggestion. Everyone wanted that one biological clock suggestion. Yeah. And that was not the last piece of paper. 
And before, we, we'd been a little more rigid about the pieces of paper. You've got to hit all six. Yeah. We end on the sixth. And there's been a shift recently where you just go, well, we end on the best one. And if the best one is the third or second or fourth, that's fine. And I, I like that a lot better. It's all about ending the game at its apex. Every game has a, li- uh, a shelf life. And you have to end it while everything is still clicking and fresh and working. And if you let it go too long, you know, especially as the MC, like there's nothing worse than hosting a game and you you witness it past its prime. Like you're like, oh, that was it. Yeah, because then every time after that, you you lose more and more courage, right? Because for and, every other big joke, you you miss the gun again. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And well, and then you start you start it starts to decay. It starts to go downhill. The the responses start to get less and less. Now that's not that's not always because sometimes there'll be a magic moment that'll be like, oh, it was worth yeah. waiting for. Boom, end it now. Call it good. But typically. You hit that peak, and even the actors, you guys on stage know that was it. Mm-hmm. Now, well, Josh, the pressure's you, on. you are known for the back line, and you don't do it as much anymore. <laughs> you used to stand in the back line and say, call it. Yeah. Call it. <laughs> I think everyone has gone through that phase when they've yeah. realized yeah. that editing is important. It's like, uh, going through your, your college phase where you like Bob Marley. Everyone goes through that phase, <laughs> but everyone goes through that self-editing phase, like, oh, uh, I know when the edits are. I saw a list online of things that white people like. Oh, yeah, stuff and, white people like. Yeah, and Bob Marley was on that. Yeah, yeah. going through a reggae Absolutely. phase. <laughs> but it's also, it's catch-22, right, if you miss the if you miss the big laugh, right, that you should have called it. Because then, if it doesn't come, you, you're, you're kicking yourself, right? But then, if it does come, you still are kicking yourself for not getting the first one. And I think maybe that's one of the things that made last week's show, or not last week's show, but the last time I hosted, feel a little bit off to me was because I missed some of those. I pride myself on finding new, interesting suggestions and ending games at their peak. Yeah. And I'm not perfect Which, which is the host's job. Those, exactly. Those two things are the host's job. <laughs> that's in the job description. And, and I'm not perfect at it, but I, I, I strive to be. And I think that when I miss those, it, it hurts a little. Yeah. So the uh, we do a workshop before the show starts, and uh, that's free to everyone. Yep. Anyone can join. It's from eight to ten. Usually taught by Josh Mufrio, uh sometimes Calvin, and then we have other guests. But uh, Josh is the the main Ryan, teacher. Ryan Locani came and taught. Ryan Locani came in. Ebbs come in. Um, Aiden and Andrew taught some workshops recently. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's actually open for any of the I've players. A few times. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's open for any of the players to teach. A lot of times I have to ask the players if they want to teach. But if any of the players listening say. Uh, they want to come out and teach a workshop, just give me a call, let me know. And I'm going to say this for the players. When you do teach, it's totally worth it. I mean, because you always go, well, I don't know if I want to teach. But, I mean, it's true that you learn the most by teaching. Right? You learn yeah, you I are just, better by teaching. I was actually teaching a class Thursday night, and, uh, and we were going over types of learning. And uh, 5% is lecture, and then teaching is 90% retention. Yep. So that you do learn a lot. If you research an improv topic, you're gonna you're gonna have it down by the end. Yeah. Because when you teach an when you teach an improv class, then you start taking inventory on yourself and take inventory on your own improv. Yeah. And like, oh, it's just good. Well, and you get challenged. Like us as players have a certain feeling or uh, a certain idea of who we are as players. But when you are teaching, you get challenged by the students because if you say something and and you're totally pulling it out. 
they're going to ask, yeah. like, does that happen all the time? They have all these these qualifying questions, and you have to back it up. Oh. And there's been plenty of times when I've come into the workshop with a certain theory in mind, and I start to teach it, and it starts to get challenged by the students. And then I'm like, you know, maybe I don't really believe that yeah. as much as I thought I did. Change your mind. Yeah, and, and it's it's enlightening. I, I, I really like it. So last night's class was about the uh, mid-form game, long-form game called Soap Opera. You, we may be developing it for a short-form game, but yeah, it's a little rough. It's a long-form game that we played as a mid-form last night, and I think it could be cut to a short-form. So that long, mid, and short are just uh, basically time uh, constraints. So short-form games... Time constraints and also format, you know. Well, we, An ability to call back, ability to connect. Yeah, you know. Well, you don't want a game to last twenty minutes because the other team is gonna be like, well, yeah. "Where's our turn?" So yeah, yeah for, we've, we've outgrown the the twenty minute murder mystery phase. Yeah. So the purposes <laughs> of, of this, we want we want this game so proper to be a five minute game. What I'm saying is connection points are easier to find, more common, and more cohesive in long form. You know. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and I think that's directly proportionate to time. Yeah. Like the longer Absolutely. you let it, yes. the longer you let it run out, the more it's built to call back to. Yeah, and the more you're expected to. Just yeah. to be honest. The premise of soap opera is a, uh, it's basically a, a soap opera with a revolving cast of people. So each each actor has one character that they they come back in and they mix and match with the other characters. So the beginning is uh, a yeah. last time on whatever the name of the soap opera is, and then you time. have quick quick three to five second scenes that show something that don't even have to be related to what we're going to do. And that, but it establishes a character. You're a bank mm-hmm. robber, you're an assassin, you're a thief, you're a spy. And, and the reason that's good, while I was playing it last night, the reason I think that's awesome is because you're building a story by puzzle pieces. You know what I mean? There's not yeah. a lot of games where you do that. A lot of games you present the story. Here's the story. Here's the plot laid out in front of you. With this, it's we're just seeing little... Even us players, we're only seeing little pieces of yeah. it. You know what I mean? Little we're, and vignettes. Then yeah, vignettes. And we're just putting together this puzzle later. You and know it, what I mean? It forces everyone to play off the assumption. And that's something that we've been working on in the workshop lately anyway, is, is working out of assumption rather than question. And so by coming out with those quick little snippets, it, it tells everybody that you're playing with what your character is, and it gives you kind of an, an idea of the overall story arc. Mm-hmm. And then we work off the assumption off, off of that. So there's a series of scenes in the middle that is the soap opera, and then you wrap up with next time on, which is great, which is real fun because it frees you from any sort of commitment limitation. And it, commitment. You don't have to back yeah. anything up. You can kill someone. You can come back from the dead. You can set up an impossible scenario. Yeah, and zero you, following through. You don't yeah. have to fall through at all. It's like a Family Guy episode, mm-hmm. which I think that's every improviser's dream in every game. I'm going to do this, but I don't have to commit to it. (laughs) (laughs) Derek, your dreams are wrong. (laughs) So I hope to see that game in the future. We we need to workshop it more with the players, but I think it's a, I think it's a terrific game. Something else going on at Off the Wall are uh, ringtones. Ringtones. Ringtones back, and Derek Myler is heading that up. Right, because ringtone chair, which a ringtone chair chairperson. Uh, yeah. So the ridiculous thing is that we have. Over 13,000 13, downloads, downloads from the last time we did the ringtones. So the idea is, why are we not doing that again? Why are we <laughs> so, not charging? Yeah, what? <laughs> well, there's a couple of... And I want to touch on that because that question comes up quite a bit. Here's the reason we're not charging. For every dollar that we charge for a ringtone, 60 cents goes to that person's cell phone provider. So we would make 40 cents per ringtone if we charge a dollar. And honestly... 
there's a small portion, like obviously 13,000 downloads. It's not all coming from our immediate fan base. Right. So there's a, there's a, an internet presence that's downloading our ringtones and I would love to charge them and not charge our fans. Yeah. So until we can figure out like a, a survey, a, a coupon or a password mm, or something I, like that. I have a quick unrelated question. <clears throat> What's 40% of 13,000? Hold on, let me get my phone. <laughs> it's dun, dun, dun. Uh, thousands of dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we downloaded 13,000 ringtones for free. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So there, and I still think that our, we, we have some great ringtones on there. And I think that, I mean, 6,000 downloads alone were Aiden's Timmy. I just want to, I just want to gouge our fans. <laughs> and uh, this is a great way to do it. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm totally kidding, and I don't want to charge for downloads either. I would, if I can come up with a way to make it free to our immediate fan base and charge the outside internet presence, then we'll probably do that. Because it would be a great revenue stream that would allow us to do things like produce merchandise and, and dress the stage cleaner and like all these different things that we want to do. It, that would be an awesome way to do it. $5,200. I changed my opinion. I want to charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let's uh, let me put that out there. Go to go to our Facebook page. Look at our our ringtones on there, and then let us know on the forums if it's something that you would be willing to pay for. And obviously, the ones that are up now will stay free. And I don't plan on charging for the next ones coming out. But what's your opinion as a fan on on paying for our ringtones? Are they worth you know ninety nine cents per ringtone or right. something like that? Obviously, the the other part of this is. What are your ideas? What do you want on the ringtones? You know, what do you, what do you, do you want characters? Do you want just Joe telling you to pick up your freaking phone? Do you want, well, I mean, what do you want? Tell us. And there's on the forums, otwimprov.com forums. Click on the forums tab. There is now a ringtones forum. Yeah. Let Derek know what you're after because he's going to be in charge of collecting the ringtones and I am the and getting ringtone stuff chairperson. <clears throat> the <laughs> chairperson. Um, He's the ringtone person. Don't shake your head, Joe. <laughs> the um, the other thing about the ringtones is we can do, like, if you, there's no reason why we couldn't do special order ringtones. So if you want yeah, Joe absolutely. saying, absolutely. Dave, pick up the phone, it's your mom, then let us know, and it's something that we can do. It seriously takes moments to produce, and it's something that we could possibly do. Could if, be a good way to play jokes on your friends. Yeah. To propose, maybe. I just looked at wow, the... Wow, uh, that's, that's a terrible idea, but yeah, something that would probably happen. I just looked at the website, and there's one that says, have Corny, which is Calvin's character, Cornelius Stu, yeah. a, a creepy ringtone. Which, uh, that's a lock, right? I'm, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, he's absolutely. Going to do he that. needs his, to do that. His yeah. new hot character. Yeah, that is his new one. That's what I love about Calvin's characters, is that... They're creepy? They are almost always creepy. But he goes through character phases, and he's going to be listening to this, and he knows it's true. Where he does C block, right, for, you know, a period of however many months. Yeah. And then he doesn't do C block for the next two years. And he does Agnes for a period of however many months. And I now he's envy on him that. I, yeah, it's, it's a great ability. It's a great ability. He's got great characters. Yeah. And then when he picks the character back up after, like, not doing it for a couple months, it's, it's like completely enriched. You know what I mean? Cause he's, it's been like simmering on his subconscious. You know what I mean? And picking up Trace and picking up things, picking up backstory. So he picks up Agnes again. And she's better than she was last time. Well, and we also have a certain amount of turnover with our crowd, too. So a crowd who comes consistently for a couple of months, then takes some time off, 
about the same time he switches to a new character, or bring back an old, brings back an old character, we've got people in the crowd that haven't seen that character right. before. Right. So here's this solid, well done character that these people are seeing for the first time. It's powerful. Yeah, that is growing with every phase. I'm actually in a character development phase myself, and it's it's an awkward phase. Character development. I think all of us players have a different way of doing it. Well, we talked I mean, about that a week or two ago. And what what is your motivation for your character development now? Is it a is it someone that you see that you want to make a character? Is it a, an accent that you've been working on? Is it a job that you thought was funny that would be a good filter? You know, honestly, most of my characters come out of accents. So I work on an accent and then develop a character out of it. And and right now I don't have anything specific that I'm building with. So that's probably why I'm having an awkward time with it. It's because I don't have anything that I'm... I don't have a base. All I know right now is as much fun as Yoshi is to do... Like. I enjoy the character Yoshi. I enjoy being Yoshi. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's very freeing and I can do a lot of stuff, but I feel very one trick ponyish. I'm looking for something to kind of expand my repertoire, if you will. I've been a lot of <laughs> listening to a lot of this British radio show. So much so that I was reading a book the other night and the the uh, the, the voice in my head reading was British. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I got to oh, no. mix that up. <laughs> so so I'm starting to pick up the British accent in my head, and maybe that'll translate to a voice, and that'll be a new. Character. Do you also use British words like I've, like posh and dodgy? Uh, I was at the I was at the base trying to get a get my uh, pass, and I'm like, can we get this? Can we sort this out. I'm like, I've never said sort this out. Before. This has got to be <laughs> the term uh, I'm working on. Subconsciously, Joe is. British. The problem term is something rubbish. I love all of their sayings. Their sayings are so oh, yeah. good. They're, great. they're they're way better than our sayings. Bob's your uncle. Well, they've been doing it for. Say that. They, they've had their sayings longer than we have, and and they've had everything longer than we have. And and we, I mean, we're a descendant of that to some extent, mm-hmm. like as a country. But we so drastically ran away from everything British in our during our creation that we came up with this whole new dialect and whole new atmosphere. Some of the words, maybe it's, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's um, genetically implanted in you. And it's like a fond memory from your genetic past. <laughs> yeah. We were once that. <laughs> this is from once I've come. <laughs> okay. Well, that about wraps it up for this segment. We're going to come back with uh, some sketches and we're going to come back with fan feedback. We have some suggestions and mm-hmm. some forum questions that we will answer uh, later on. Uh, cool. And this is a quick break. After these messages, we'll be right back. That was nice. Personal injury attorneys, Smith, Smythe, and Wapcap. We are here for you. Say you've been injured in an auto accident. Maybe you weren't paying attention and you shouldn't sue. Were you injured slipping in the parking lot of the DMV? The government will probably win that lawsuit. We probably will not will not be able to get you any money. Were you injured crossing the road and hit by a car? We believe that you should probably look both ways before stepping in front of a moving large vehicle. Smith, Smythe, and Webcap. Were you injured in a wrongful death? You're not hearing this right now. Are you the victim of a birth injury? Did you sustain severe injuries while giving birth to your child? Instead of suing the doctor, maybe you should sue your child. Were you involved in a bicycle accident? Something that's going to leave permanent long-term disfigurement? Maybe you should have worn a helmet. Were you injured in a construction accident? You should probably get a real job and stop being a day laborer at Home Depot. Were you injured in a jousting accident at a Renaissance festival? Maybe you should get a more socially appropriate hobby. Smith, Smythe, and Wap Kaplan. 
Do you have mesothelioma? We don't know what that is. Were you injured in a semi-truck accident? Sorry, we can only help with complete truck accidents. Do you suffer from a spinal cord injury? We will help you if you can catch us. Smith, Smythe, and Wapkapler. Were you injured in medical malpractice? Can you do the surgery better than him? Well, then you should probably shut your mouth. Do you suffer from carpal tunnel syndrome? Well, maybe you should sign out of your WoW account and get a girlfriend. Did you sustain a terrible head injury, possibly a concussion? If you can remember the details, we'll help you. Smith, Smythe, and Wapkapler. Did you slip and fall on the snow and ice on your sidewalk and now plan to sue the city? Maybe you should have got up and shoveled your walk. Do you want to sue us because we're bad lawyers? Are you suffering from a terrible and horrific burn injury? Are you the victim of a botched Botox injection? Mumble on over and tell us all about it. Are you the victim of bad plastic surgery? Well, get some confidence, stupid. Smith, Smythe, and Webcap. Smith, Smith, Smythe, and and Webcap. Welcome back to the Off the Wall Podcast. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we have forum questions and feedback. We have a suggestion box at the concession stand, and people leave their their feedback. We've we've had a few responses this week, Which, and we're going to go over that. But we'd like to see more, right? So, yeah, I always so would. drop drop it off. And even if you and what we're noticing a trend, it seems like. Um, we get new ones from new people every week, but there's also some people that are, are resubmitting, and I love that. Like, don't be afraid to resubmit. Just keep... This is something I noticed this week. Yeah. Yeah, we love that. And and it, it, it carries a little weight. If it's somebody that's been coming to a show for an extended period, exactly. they understand us a little bit more than the person there for the first time. So You, you, are, an, you are now an expert. And so we'd like to know... Yeah. We'd like to know what we look like to a first-timer, and we'd like to know what we look like to a seasoned yeah. viewer. So there's a few Liz fans... More Liz. This is by Trent Cox. Where's the other Liz one? There's a uh, Sean. More Liz. Play Liz and more girls. They are out there. Emily Starr, for example. So I, I believe that's a callback from last week's podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're out. Oh Caleb, hilarious. Um, and the other one says, uh, "Have a heater by the front door so we don't freeze to death." That's by. S. Have better handwriting. S. He's 28. He comes every once in a while, and people keep him coming back. Do you have one, Derek? Yeah, I got one here uh, from Clarissa. She's 22. Um, which, you know, we were talking about our age group, and we really enjoy that our fans are getting older, right? That's something that you that we're appreciating. I realized I was just nodding my head and not... Yes, you It doesn't weren't. translate on a podcast. <laughs> it doesn't read. Uh, the reason we like that is because they have uh, a little, few more experiences, and I think their their pop culture references are greater, right. so they're able to, to get more jokes. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, right, We would you say we were predominantly pulling a high school crowd? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's who we were actively marketing to as well. But now we're going for college, so if you're in college and listening to this podcast, you're in the right place. Well, and our, our high school crowd has gone on to college. And congratulations to our high school crowd who's, who's college. Yeah, and we educated. did, we didn't ruin their prospects of higher education. Right. You know, we may have kept them local. That's wow. A, that's, that's a, a great thought. That's a heck of an assumption. <laughs> <laughs> we may have. Yeah, we're keeping them from out of state college. That would make us. The evidence honorable. does not disprove the theory. Okay. Anyway, Clarissa. We're going to go with the Glenn Beck version of <laughs> Where's your chalkboard and your acronyms? Clarissa, who's 22, 
she's been. How long have you been an OTW fan? Six. There, so that could be. Is that six units again? Six units. Your right? lifetime is only so long, so you yeah. got to tighten up your your writing. Yeah, that's true. S- uh, six. It could be six weeks. A designator could six could, months could be. Off. She could have taken one exclamation point off of this part and yeah. put a Y next to that part. That's true. Or a D or an M. I mean, I think one thing we can be sure. I'm assuming it's not six years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume. It may be. It's possible. Yeah. We, we're, we're getting ready to celebrate our seventh our, anniversary. Our seventh anniversary. So we only, do, I mean, we do have. She's 22, so maybe. Th- that would have made 16. her 16 years old. It's right? a possibility. And we kept her local. That would be great. <laughs> uh, how often do you come to a show? Every week. I, I really like to hear that. I you do too. Know, it's a good thing to hear. What keeps you coming back? I love it. Funniest ever. Uh, are you our Facebook friend? Yes, which is good. Have you seen us on Comcast? No, with a smiley face, which leads me to believe... What does that, that mean? I, I think that means she's going to now go okay. maybe look us up. You know, I, the smiley face gives me hope. Maybe she's a DirecTV subscriber. Maybe. She's got to find a friend with Comcast. No, maybe, maybe. Would you be interested in OTW merchandise? Yes, which is, you know, that's something that... We're looking at interesting fact that I've noticed on these. When we first started getting these, it was predominantly no. Like yeah. I noticed at first, most people said no, they wouldn't be interested in merchandise. And now, almost every one of them is checking the yes box. What Which that means, I don't know. I've seen some proofs on merchandise. I saw that last night. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, got some awesome ideas working and. Look at, I don't think we're looking, and just to take a little side trip on merchandise, I don't think we're looking to do one style of, of say, a shirt and have that be the only off-the-wall merchandise into infinity. Yeah. I think we're looking to test out different ideas, different concepts, different theories, and come up with different things. Because it's not so much about getting our logo on a shirt and putting it out into the public. And don't get me wrong, everybody does merchandise because it's a form of advertising. But we're looking for stuff that's practical and applicable. So things that people will actually enjoy wearing that will help promote our show. So yep. we're going to be going through the paces and, and trying all kinds of different stuff to make that happen. Favorite game that we play, Clarissa likes Murder Mystery, which we find a lot of people like. It's one of it's my favorites. It's a great game. And a suggestion, do the newlywed game, I love it, with two exclamation points. And that's a, that's been a recent trend, right? Yeah, people, everybody people likes the, the newlywed, newlywed game. Can I, I've been thinking about this, and can I tell you why I think the newlywed people like it so much? Because... It's bringing together a whole bunch of different styles of games. It's a character game. It's an audience participation game. It's a guessing game. You know, we have all these games that have one of those aspects. But then when you get a game like that, but brings it all together and it gets all these great things married together, that's married together. But uh, I think I think that's why people love it. You know what I mean? Because it's sure it's more bang for their buck. I guess you could say. Well, and I think that it's definitely an audience favorite game, and I think part of that is everything you've said. But I think predominantly it lays on the character aspect. Yeah. It seems yeah. like like the audience trends towards the character games. They like the character games. We like the character games, and that's why we don't play them as often. Like it's usually yeah. one big character game per show per team, and that's because it's a fun big push yeah. for connection. But the the newlywed game is it's coming back. I want everyone to understand, we are going to bring it back. It got to the point where the actors, at least, we got, got a little it. bored of it. We got it, sick of it. It was the same thing every time. And so we're looking at ways to revamp it. and Kumquat. And, and, you and can also Starford, see that we're bored, so that's a problem. There were a couple of games that that happened with. Um, World's Worst. We played that last night. It actually went over well. But, yeah, yeah. yeah it went over. I was surprised, though. I was surprised it went well. And that's a game that could use a little 
help. Um, there are a lot of games that we need to workshop. That's, but that's an important thing, you know, that we're always working on our game. We're keeping up our game. You what, know, that, what happens is we play a game a lot, and it gets to the point where it starts to become predictable, and it feels like, we just did this. So we let's just, pull it out and work on it. So we, yeah, then that's that's something that we're working on doing right like now. Like dominoes. So I've got a, another feedback form from Allison. She's 21. She's been a fan for a year. She says she comes every week. That's awesome. Uh, what keeps you coming back? She loves it. So she keeps coming back. She is a Facebook fan, has not seen us on Comcast, and would be interested in uh, off-the-wall merchandise. And then her favorite games, she she used the one line and actually snuck in two games. She likes Bad Advice with an exclamation point and Newlywed. So Newlywed, always going to be popular. Games. Yeah. And do you ever come to our workshops? She says no, um, which is fine. I don't know. Well, that- it's more than fine because – I. I- we need fans, right? We need right. people who are just fans. If everybody wanted to do improv, we wouldn't have just fans. Right. You know what I mean? We can only so, reveal the magic to so many people. They'd, right. they'd be yelling at us to edit. Edit, edit yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah. You've yeah. reached your apex. You, you don't want to be playing to... <laughs> as an improviser, it's almost more uncomfortable to play to someone who knows... You know what I mean? It's, oh, yeah, it's harder to play. As an improviser, it's hard to watch an improv show. Yeah. It's the same as a musician. You don't want to perform in front of people who are better than you at what you're doing. I think it goes with everything. Yeah. That's about it for the specific uh, suggestions. We did get a few objections mm-hmm. written for them. They were anonymous, so we can't uh, address them specifically, but I would like to address objections. And objections, uh, they unfortunately happen from time to time. They don't happen on purpose. We don't set out to offend the crowd. That's we don't try to goal. even push the envelope. I, I enjoy playing clean, as do most of us, but occasionally... When we're in a character, or a character, or when we we get caught up in the in the game or the the scenario, uh, something objectionable will happen, and that's why we have the 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 objection rule, the penalty rule, and uh, gosh, I don't even know what it's called because it's called so infrequently. It officially and off the wall, it's the objection rule. Okay, so that happens. Uh, I didn't hear any, but someone wrote them down, and yeah. and this is a serious thing. We we pay attention. We see that we're gonna. We're going to talk about that uh, in in private. In but house, we would like to just say that we we got it, mm-hmm. we recognize it, and uh, we and, and, we're sorry. And the bottom line is, if you are ever offended, it is never intentional, ever. We don't yeah. mean to offend you. Well, and period. You have to look at it from our perspective, and that is, we thrive on return business, and to alienate or to offend our audience is is not does not fit that man. model. Yeah you're less likely to come back if you're not enjoying yourself. So we never want to try to push anybody away or offend anyone uh, specifically. But the thing about comedy is um, typically comedy is cutting edge. We, it's it, it's making you think about things or, or consider things that you wouldn't typically think about or consider, and that's why it's funny. It's the, it's the juxtaposition between your sense of reality and an alternate view. And we don't have a script either, so... We can't guarantee that we'll never we'll never say anything. Yeah, we're not on a tape delay where we can block it out. <laughs> but I have to say, in seven years, we have done an amazing job at at making sure that every show is is presented in the cleanest possible form. Right. I would say that a lot of our fans don't realize it is tough. You know what I mean to keep it as clean as we do. And and you know I don't want to say our fans take it for granted because I don't think they do. But if you go other places, yeah. you know, you're going to find also, it's a lot different. Also, we're not family-friendly in real life. I'll, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm friendly to my family. Uh, well. <laughs> yeah, it goes against a lot of the improviser's nature. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm an not adult. Not all of us. I'm an adult. I think adult things. I watch HBO. I see adult things. <laughs> I don't. 
my life isn't completely family friendly all the time, and there's a filter. It's not a. I mean, we all have thoughts that aren't family friendly. We all have a backline banter. Yeah, we all have backline banter. So that that'll happen. We really have probably, and and I can't say this with 100% certainty, but we have, if not the cleanest, one of the cleanest improv shows in Utah. I know that other performers that come to play with us find it challenging to hit the bar where we set it, right. like to to stay as clean as we ask them to stay. Well, and, what do you mean I can't do that? Yeah, and that's not to say that there's anything wrong. I gotta wrong. put my pants back on? Yeah. <laughs> it's not to say there's anything wrong with other performers or that other shows are, are dirty and worse or anything like that because they do a great show. It's just we we specialize, I guess, yeah. in the clean. That was the biggest problem with Derek Myler in the beginning was that uh, he just wouldn't wear pants. Yeah. yeah. So we have a, a couple questions <laughs> uh, from the from the, the forum. The first one Still is about uh, starting up improv. So it was an OTW fan. So uh, I wish I could say a proper name, but that's the uh, that's the forum name. It's the risk you take with the forum. Asked when uh, <laughs> when we're starting out, did we fear that we were not funny enough? Derek, why don't, why don't you start? Um, You're the newest member. This is the... I'm uh, the newest member? The newest member in the room. Freshest, yeah, in the room. Because, okay, in the room, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I can't ask people who aren't in the room. <laughs> well, you can, but the response will be hard to get. So, so when you were first starting, and you didn't start with us, you started in high school. I started in high school. I started four or five years ago, and then I've been playing with Oswald for two and a half years now. Well, the first thing is, just from an improv theory point of view, if you're worrying about being funny, you're doing something wrong in the first place. You know what I mean? That being said, of course you're going to have self-doubt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course you're going to – everybody. And and just starting out, heck, we, we still think that. You know what I mean? We still have self-doubt, all of us. You know, I, I don't think that's a secret to say that we all, you know, sometimes feel like you have a bad show. I don't know what you're You know, and you walk off the stage and you go, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And I mean, you always struggle with that. But and You also can't prepare your material. You also right, say, oh, right. am I going to be funny tonight? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Because I have no idea what I'm going to do tonight, and that can be unnerving. Yeah, the the we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the workshop. The point is that there is n- nobody is going to produce 100% good material. Period. There is if if you're going to do improv, the nature of improv is that some of it will be bad. Period. You know, and you're going to be the culprit sometimes. You're going to be performing bad improv. So if you're worrying about that, and if you get bogged down in that. Then that, I mean, that's a spiral that you can go down for yeah. a long time. It'll sink you, yeah, if you let it. So, so you just you can't worry about it. You can't worry about being funny. And like I said before, I got on my soapbox. If you are w- worrying about being funny in the first place, you're doing something wrong in improv because that's not the right way to approach it. Okay, so yes, we all have been. We all worry about that before and currently. And more specifically, Derek, when when you first started performing with Off the Wall, th- did you feel that? Or did you fear that there was a a level of expectation that you were hoping to meet? Like, not not about being funny, but about fitting in with the troupe and and melding and being cohesive. When I stage. first started, it was a big a big thing was the age issue because I'm I'm the youngest player off the wall, just a pup. I am just a pup. I'm the closest is Calvin probably, and he's three years older than me, you know. And then it goes all the way up to you guys. Liz is t- twenty. Okay, so Liz, Liz is. Didn't she just turn twenty one? Oh, yeah, she's 21. So Liz is two years older than me. And, you know, so it is getting younger, I guess you could say. But um, when it first started, it was age. You know what I mean? I was really intimidated by that. But now it's not a big deal. I mean, I mean, we've all gotten over that with the exception of Joe. 
What? You can't get over that my first my first oh, video game system no, no. was the PlayStation. I, you can't get over that. I can't get over that either. In fact, I was talking to someone today about that very thing. I think oh. you. I, I I thought you meant uh, I can't get over playing with you because you're young. No, no, I totally. That doesn't matter at all. Uh, the fact that you're young still comes up to me sometimes because I'm like, uh, can I? No, he has no idea what I'm talking about. Voltron, no. <laughs> well, yeah, that happens in the show too. And you can't give me suggestions from the '80s because yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Joe has gone to great lengths to. Um, to, to make the age difference between the two of you even more obvious by growing right. a mustache. He, <laughs> he has, has really widened that, that gap. Yeah. yeah, just in case you're thinking we were close, check out the upper lip. I think, but I think for the most part. <laughs> Look what I can do. <laughs> I think for the most part, the age thing is basically forgotten. You yes. know what I mean? But it's, when you, when you first came into the troop, when you first started getting playtime and stuff like that, like, I know that anytime you start a new job or you start a new anything, there's a certain amount of yeah, concern. You, do I measure up? What yeah, absolutely. And because yeah. this is coming from someone presumably who would like to at some point enter into the troop. And, yeah. and their concern is, what if I'm not funny enough to, to do that? Like, yeah. what would you, what would you, how would you address that specifically? I mean, obviously, as you're starting to play, you know, and I'm assuming this is a person who, you know, comes to the show a lot and watches people. And I, I mean, I think it's fair enough to say that we get a certain amount of, we, people are our fans. Pseudo-stardom. You know what I mean? People are our fans. So then when, when you start playing, and I did the same thing. I watched Off the Wall and I was an Off the Wall fan. And then I started playing and I was playing with people who I was a fan of. You know what I mean? So that, of course, there's a certain amount of, well, do I measure up to this? Yeah. You know, I, I, this is weird because the roles are now reversed. You know what I mean? Now I'm moving from the fan side to the stage side. And I think I was probably, I mean, I'm one of the only ones to do that because you guys that all came from Quigley's Clearfield, right. people like me that started, you know, I'm an off the wall generation person. You know what I mean? I started as a fan of off the wall and then moved to the stage side of it. Oh, so, but we've all been there. I remember yeah. uh, I saw a couple shows at Quickwits, and then a couple weeks later, I'm playing basketball in, in Clinton at this park, and, and Adam Rossander comes to play basketball. I'm like, holy crap, is Adam Rossander? Mm-hmm. And uh, of nobody, course, I didn't. Nobody else knows who that is, but, <laughs> but Joe's like, you guys know who that guy is? Well, I didn't say anything. I'm like, oh, and I, I didn't mention that I've seen him at a show because I don't want to be that guy who does that. Yeah. And I just played with it, but I was thinking, I know this guy from somewhere. And then yeah. especially when I started playing with him. And in fact, the most, one of the most intimidating people to play with at first was Matt Spear. And it was his, really? it was his energy level. And he was, uh, he was so all over the place and he, he attacked every scene. He was explosive. So I realized that I had to play well with him yeah. to, to be seen on the same level. So I think the bottom line of this is yes, if you, you enter the troop, you start getting stage time, you start playing, you're going to ask yourself if you measure up. You're gonna have self-doubt. You're gonna try and struggle. It's gonna be hard and you're gonna struggle through it. But in the long run, that's the best thing you could ask for. That's the best thing for your improv. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing to make friendships with people. You know what I mean? It's, you gotta go through it. You have to pay your dues. You know what I mean? Well, I've noticed too that like new people to the stage, and this happened to me and I watched it happen to others and I didn't notice it with everybody, but there's, there's like a fifth show wall and I don't know what it is, but you'll do about four shows that will be Fairly decent. Your first four shows will be okay, and then you'll you'll get to your fifth show, and it's just going to be a rough, out of sync, bad show for you for for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's your confidence doesn't match your ability or or what, but you just have that hard time in your fifth show. And I've seen it happen multiple times, and I know for sure it happened with me. And so it's something that that confident. The only thing that's going to help you through that is confidence. You can't have a bad show or 
realize that at some point I don't measure up for whatever reason right. and say, that's the end of my improv career. I'm not going, coming back. Well, sports right. have that. Sports have a rookie wall. So uh, maybe that's just a new person thing. A lot of improv is experience. I mean, that's that's the end. You know what I mean? And you just get better the more experience you get. Quality improv comes from trust, and you don't develop trust with the people you're playing with until you've played with them for an extended period. Right. Right. Okay, so the second question is if we've ever had an off night. And I believe we all talked about that at we the just, beginning of the show. Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, touched we, about that. Yeah. And, yeah, we all just had now. Third so. question, how long have we been doing improv? I've been doing it since the uh, beginning of 03. So, uh, Eight years. Seven, seven years. years. Seven. seven years. I'm not 100% sure because... I know that I started about a year after Steve, and Steve remembers he started it on his 18th birthday. And so when I do my math and work backwards, I end up with a different number than if I base it off of Steve. And so I'm not 100% sure. I know I've been doing it slightly longer than Joe and slightly less than Steve. So take their numbers and put me in the middle. Okay. So, so it, somewhere, so seven and a half years. We'll, we'll go and, with that. And I'm at about five. Yeah, because you guys started real young. You were in high school. I, I didn't discover school. it until mid-20s. Yeah. I was in high school and then started playing with Off the Wall during my senior year of high school. Um, this last one is, uh, do you think that anyone could do improv well, or do you think that there's a select group of people? <sighs> That's and a tough question. I, I've gone back and forth on this, and I think that everyone can learn the fundamentals and everyone can put together a fairly quality improv scene if they... If they stick to the fundamentals and all of that, I have a really complex philosophy about this. And in 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 a nutshell, I believe anyone can do long form improv, but not anyone can do short form improv. Because let's face it, short form improv, a lot of it is about jokes. You know what I mean? And that's that's something that not everybody has the talent for. You know, being quick on their feet. You know, but long form improv is about honest reaction. Honest everyday reaction. How would I honestly react in the situation, and and then just assuming it in 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 a character. I believe anybody can learn to do that in a long form situation in the fun of come. So I don't know, but then that's where my theory breaks down because well, if they can do that, why couldn't they then do short form? You know what I mean? So I'm kind of I kind of flip flop on this, and I don't really know what my opinion is. But right now, it's anyone can do long form, but it takes kind of a special person to do successful short form. I think. My opinion is... Well, you teach people, so you've got to have a, an opinion yeah, that, that I, I everyone can do this. Definitely have a theory. Well, my, my theory is that I believe that anybody can do improv and do it well. But I believe that there are different barriers for different people. People reach different ceilings at different points. So some people have an innate ability. They come to a class. They've never done an improv scene before, but they're just funny. Their timing is natural. And so really all they have to learn is the mechanics and, and their, their ability falls into place and, and within a short period of time, they're stage ready, if, if you will. Um, other people can come in and be very textbook and understand the theory and understand the application and be able to go through a very great improv scene, but it's very dry because their humor isn't built. Um, I think, I guess bottom line is I think anybody can get to that perfect point where they've got a great combination of ability and skill and they're able to get on stage and have a great show. But the timeline is different for everybody. It's like I can I can play baseball, I just can't play it well. Yeah. And I think if if I were to dedicate time, for me it would probably take a lot of time to get my point to where I could play extremely well and and maybe be minor league capable. 
but never actually get called up to the majors. Does that? Yeah. You know, sure. so I, I think I, I, I believe that exists in everything. We're not all built the same, but I do believe that I could take, and, and this may just be because I, I do teach improv. And so if I don't believe this, then I ultimately I'm wasting my time, but I believe I can take any group of 10 people and over a course of a year, mold them into a productive improv troupe. And, and make them do a show and have it put on and get laughs and, and, and have applause. it be a quality show. Because one of the great things about an improv show is it doesn't take six brilliant, wonderful, funny people to do the show. It takes six people willing to support each other and do the work. Yeah. And so you don't have to be the star to make for a great show. That's absolutely something, too, you got to keep in mind is it doesn't take a, you know, quote, funny person to be a great improviser. You know what I mean? Some of the best improvisers I know are people who, in real life, just shoot the breeze with you. You know what I mean? That aren't always having to be cracking your joke and, right. you know, like, and then some of, you know, and then you, that guy who's the life of the party, you know, who's really funny in real life, always making great observational humor, is sometimes really bad at improv. You know Typically I mean? the selfish improviser. Yeah. Yeah, because all they do is quote Family Guy yeah. in improv. <laughs> yeah, or they want to be they want to be the front guy. They want to be out in front. Like I want to be the funny guy. Set me up. Yeah, and but uh, I guess the short answer is um, for me anyway. I believe that anybody can become great at improv. It just takes for some people it's more work than others. So one word answer for you is yes. Yes, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna turn mine yes. What about yeah, you, I think yes too because it's a it's a matter of effort and. I think that people have different natural talent levels. I mean, you can. I keep coming back to sports, but sports is where you can see it. I mean, you you can't hide the fact that you're good or bad at basketball. Right. And you, I don't want to say that comedy is different because uh, it's subjective. But I I still think that you can tell if someone is funny so, or not. Talent is talent. Well, the best part, the best difference between sports and comedy is you can be fat and funny. Great. I have a hard time being fat and great on the Great point board. to end on. We, we had one last semi-question. It was from Justin Linder. He wanted some... A semi-question. Oh, I'm going to read this. <laughs> I'm going to read this verbatim. It'd be cool to get some advice for other improvers. Those coming up in the class, new members of the troop, veterans of the troop, everybody. Nothing specific to any person, but things like, how do you develop new characters, or what do you find yourself... When, what do you do when you find yourself in a rut, or... What do you do in terms of practicing, for lack of a better term, etc.? So my answer would be uh, come up with a specific question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think for for Justin from Justin's perspective, and I I'm sure that there's other people out there. Wh- one of the things that that you guys may not recognize as much as some other people do is because you guys do get playtime. You're considered regular pl- members of the troop. You're not trying to prove yourself worthy, if you will. So a lot of the people in the class are at a point where they want to break out. Now, Justin has recently become a full member of the troop, but is still not getting regular playtime. And that's not, honestly, that's mostly because of seniority, if you will. We have a lot of talented, available players, and so he shows up late on the roster. That happened with everyone. It took mm-hmm. me a year and a half to become, or maybe even longer to become a regular player, yep. because in the beginning there were six regulars in seven spots, mm-hmm. yeah. and those six weren't budging. Yeah, if, if somebody was sick or was on vacation or something like that, a slot would open up and you'd have a chance to play. And that's how it was when I first got into to Off the Wall. Off the Wall was up and running for two years before I got one show, I did one show, and then it was another six months before I got another show. Yep. That's how it took me a year and a half to 
to start playing. You, you know, can just get on the piano. That's all you can do. Yes, yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, yeah, for a while I was getting on the piano almost every week and playing every third month. Here, here's and it another, took me a year and a half to be playing twice a month. Here's you know another I mean? thing I'd like to bring up, but this is very important. We have a, we have a pretty standard rule of don't give feedback unless someone asks, because you don't want to be that guy who's like, hey, well, hey, let me tell you some unwarranted advice, right? Unsolicited advice here. Be better. All right, I'll talk to you later. No one wants. <laughs> no one wants to be that person. But if you have questions, if you if you seek us out, most of us would be more than happy to to talk to you about a scene that you're in or general general mechanics. And most of us are nice about it. Nah, yeah, I'm not nice. About well, it. <laughs> here's here's the here's my theory: is you can you can be nice or you can be helpful. Because yeah, that's it, why I said I'm not nice. And I'm, I'm helpful, and sometimes I say hurtful things. As as someone who, who I think you can have both. Well, you you definitely you can be tactful and yeah. helpful. Yeah. But nice nice is sometimes nice isn't the right answer. Yeah. Like like if if I'm overly nice in an improv workshop, then everybody continues to do exactly what they're doing. Do that's why I liked Andrew Noyce's workshop so much because he was jarringly not tactful. Yeah. He was he was like you're doing it wrong. You're, be better. And, and I love that. And that's why I like bringing in guest teachers yeah. is because I kind of hold the status quo of <clears throat> here's where we are, here's what you're doing, here's what you can do, and, and kind of keep it a little vanilla, a little soft. It's a free workshop. People can come and go. It's not a big deal. But if I bring in somebody else, then it kind of gives them license to kill. Like they can come in and be like, hey, look, I'm here for one uh, a short period, and I'm going to give you everything I've got. And the best advice you can get is – advice that stings a little bit because you don't yeah. lose it. You don't drop it. If it's delivered in too nice of a manner, then it's it's forgettable. And it, my, my theory is this on, on giving advice, because I, I love the fact that you brought it up, Joe. <clears throat> if you are in the class or in the troop and you want to know what members of the troop think about your improv, you have to ask to find out because that's that's pretty much the rule is we're not gonna we're not gonna just come up and tell you because that's ever it's not cool yeah. you don't no, do it, we don't do it to un- each other unless unless you are you know you're in the teacher role like Josh might do that because yes. he's right. the teacher role but, but the, if I'm in a scene with of Myler, us, I'm not gonna if I if I had an issue I'm not gonna tell him I'm yeah. not gonna tell him unless he he asks yeah. and, and that's, that's kind of the unspoken rule well now it's a spoken rule it is it, because it just it builds. It's ugly energy it's in weird, the troop. Weird we're tension all coaching each other. But as the artistic director for the troop and the teacher of the workshops, I feel like I have a little more latitude with that, which is why I do give some unsolicited feedback. That's just your personality. For the most part, yeah, but there's stuff I haven't told you, Dirk. Um, I'm really holding back. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, you don't, but, you can't handle his undivided <laughs> But in the workshop, if you take the time to come to a workshop, what you're telling me is, I want to get better. Yeah. Help me, and so you're going to get specific coaching in workshops. Well, and workshops shouldn't be comfortable either. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, improv shouldn't be comfortable. You should be out of your comfort zone. All right. Well, that was a thank you, Justin, for providing that. Yeah. That, that's but going to do it. For not the, sure uh, what you were asking, but you know. that's what we answered. <laughs> that's going to do it for the uh, the fan feedback section. We are uh, we're plumb out right now. So we need we need more. Come to the Friday and Saturday show. Leave suggestions. Go to the forum otwimprov.com. Go to the forum panel and leave feedback because we we love answering your questions. This is a, it helps us get information out. It helps us understand things with each other, and it's a great time. Gives us topics to talk about. It's it's actually been super beneficial. I love it. Plus, we just like hearing from you guys. Period. We sure do. 
it's a way to, to tap into our audience and know what they think. It's get, getting the pulse of the crowd. Yeah. I like to think of fans as real people. You know what I mean? Clarissa, mm-hmm. age 22, rather than that group of people out there that yeah. I'm playing to. Yeah. Yeah. See if you mean anything. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you, we'll see you next week. Doesn't, doesn't translate. It doesn't translate. The peace sign. <laughs> I'm making a peace sign. <laughs> you can't see, can't see it. But. There's so many on that one, too. There's a, a pea coats, which yeah, I have a pea coat. Pea coat. There's a liking outdated hip hop music, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I'm guilty of, too. <laughs> Disliking people who wear Ed Hardy shirts. Yes. I like that one a lot. Did you hear about the Swiss scientists that are studying laughter? No. The Swiss government is spending $13 million on a on a, this big fellowship. Like, hundreds of scientists are getting together for an international project of working on the science ladder, which I think it's about time. You know what I mean? It's about time somebody actually got into Got to the so, bottom of laughter? Yeah. I mean, there, there have been, like, little in-depth scratch-the-surface studies, but this is going to be like... You're happy when you laugh? That's like the, the previous studies, and now we're going more in depth. Well, and they don't understand we, why why tickling makes you laugh. Like, there's no scientific basis for it. Like, there's that response, that laughing response from tickling. It it, it's, it doesn't have a survival of the fittest application. Oh. Tickling is a weird thing because it is both enjoyable and painful at the same time. Right, it's. Bold. I don't know who's been tickling you. No, no, that's like. <laughs> oh, I punch him when I tickle. <laughs> this is tickling. <laughs> but it's that's why there's been tickle torture. You know what I mean? Like in ancient cultures, they would actually tickle because it's not. It's it is both enjoyable and painful at the same time. It, there's a lot of things that are. It's like a painful that. release of positive. What else is like that, Derek Miller? Uh, well, this is a family-friendly <laughs> podcast. Were you injured in a wrongful death? <laughs> what do you say? No, no, okay. uh, was, was <laughs> Were you injured in a wrongful death? I'm doing that again. I hate all of our fans. They're sheep. Assign <laughs> anything. Yes, I heard. I heard. You know that he said that originally and then cut himself out of the front end of that. I can't believe you. <laughs> I'm evil. Were you involved in a catastrophic injury? Hooray! Smith, Smith, and Wap Caplet. <laughs> Probably not used to it. They are hoy there. This be Steely No Heart, Camo the Black Barge, pirate. That's me, you know, doing my pirating thing. With uh, me hook and me me waddle, uh, you know other other pirating uh, things. Uh, sitting here, you know, for the podcast, uh, the fifth episode of the Wild Podcast. Welcome. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, and if you don't, uh, make you walk the plank. <laughs>